Luke chapter 2, y'all there? You ready? How many are ready? How many were not there? Y'all disobedient. I told you to turn there. Luke chapter 2. Tell me when you're ready. Just yell out. You ready? You there? All right, we ain't going there right now. I just want you to be ready. All right, just hang on. Luke chapter 2, we're going to be about verse number 8. And I'm not going to speak long, okay, today. We're going to go in quickly, going to hit it because our kids are in here. And I, I want them to like being in big church. Man, they're being good today. Being good kids, if your parents start dozing off, just nudge them. Say, wake up. Pastor John said, wake up, all right? Last week, we talked about being grateful. Remember, we, we spent an entire month, the entire month uh, of November, we talked about taking new territory. And then last week, we dove into Psalms 100 that talks about entering into his gates with what? Thanksgiving. That thanksgiving is what gets you into the gates. And then from the gates, you go into the courts with praise. And then from the courts, you go into the holy place. And then you go into the holy of holies. That's where you begin to take territory. That's where territory begins to happen. But all of that begins by being what? Thankful. Or grateful. I'm thankful for this. Nothing, everything good happens by being grateful. We spent an entire weekend talking about this past week is the week that everybody sets aside to be thankful and to be grateful. And it's so good because we really are an ungrateful nation. We're an ungrateful people. We're spoiled in so many ways. And what we found out as we were studying last week, that people that are grateful don't feel entitled. You're just happy to be a part. I can't believe that I get to live in this country, be married to you, have those boys. You see what I'm saying? I mean, you can, have the, you can have the worst life in the world, and it's still better than most of the lives in this world. It's amazing how spoiled we get. So if you ever meet someone who's entitled, that says one thing about them. They're not grateful. They're not thankful. And because they're not thankful, the gates don't even open up to what God has for them. The gates open up to people that are like, ha, ha, I get to be here. I can't believe I get to be I get to be a part of this. Like the wise man once said, everything's amazing and nobody's happy. Some of you may know who that wise man was. Everything's amazing and nobody's happy. And I think the guy goes on to say that people fuss about their flight being delayed. And he goes, you're in a seat in the sky. Isn't that amazing? Fussing about our phone not working. Give it a second. It's going to space and coming back. It's pretty, just entitled. Like, we, we, like the world owes us all of this stuff. And it's not right. It doesn't owe us anything. But a grateful heart says, look, I don't care. I don't care if they hit wrong chords half the time. I don't care if the preaching is as bad as it was last Sunday, all right? I'm just happy to be a part of this community that's there for me when somebody dies and there for me when somebody gets up from the dead. See, even then, it was like, I think I'm entitled to a little bit more before I clap my hands. A little bit better, and then we'll go there. Grateful people don't feel entitled. Grateful people are not easily offended. All right, close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. How many are easily offended? Just raise your hand. I'm looking at y'all. No, I put it down. 
Okay, raise your right now. Open your eyes. Now, isn't that a crazy that we're easily offended? We just most of us are looking for something, just eyeballing that barista to make sure they get that thing wrong. Just looking for something. Grateful people are not easily offended. Grateful people are not critical. So if you ever find yourself being critical, easily offended, entitled, you need to pray that God would make you more thankful. Grateful people are generous. They just want to give. You've been given a lot. Give as much as you can away. They're generous people. They want to give. And you know, generosity is not based on how much you have. It's based on the heart. Everybody look at me. It's not based on what you have or don't have. It's based on the heart. I love these ladies playing a house concert because they're college students and they don't have any money, but they know how to make chords and write songs. So they say, we're going to do a house concert. We'll use our talent, and then we'll take that and give it away. Grateful people are generous, and grateful people are joyful. Don't y'all love joyful people? Now, not all the time. I get it. I know there are days that you just want to be quite that joyful. But on the most part, you'd rather be around a joyful person than you would a person that drains you all the time, right? And so we talked about Thanksgiving, and it leads right into where we are today. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 8. Those that are thankful are people that are grateful, and grateful people feel slightly undeserving. Let me say that again. Grateful people feel slightly undeserving. Now, his blood makes us deserving, but there should be a part of us that goes, oh my goodness, I can't even believe I get to be on the property, much less sit at the table with him. Let me just stop right there. Oh, I may not even get to Luke chapter 2. We'll just save that for next week. You ever notice the prodigal's mindset at the beginning? He felt entitled. He said, Daddy, give me all my stuff now. I don't want to wait. I want to I write now. Entitled to that. And then the next, when he shows up after he'd lost everything, the entitlement was gone. And he's like, I just want to come be your servant. But what does the daddy say? Daddy says, no, you're not going to be my servant. You're my son. I'm still going to. But there was a different mindset now. I'm not entitled to anything. I'm just, I'm just happy. I'd go live out in the servants' quarters if you'd let me. But, Daddy, you talk about gratefulness, the fact that Daddy doesn't make him live out with the servants but brings him in to sit beside him at the table and gives him a robe and a ring and kills the fatted calf. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves people that aren't deserving? Luke chapter 2. <laughs> and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor Rest. Stop right there. I've said this before. You ever notice that when an angel says, don't be afraid, it's always too late? 
Shepherd's just hanging out. There's an angel. Don't be afraid. Too late. And then if that's not enough, as soon as he says, this is what happened, a host of angels, just glad he warned them, okay? They all show up. This is amazing. This is the first time, besides Mary and Joseph, besides getting into some of the relatives of Jesus, this is the first time that anybody outside of their little circle hears about the Messiah. First time. This is absolutely incredible. And he does it to shepherds. We're in a culture right now that we always want to be the first to know, don't we? How many of you want to be the first to know? I mean, like some of you right now have been checking Instagram as I am speaking, just checking out what has happened since I've been here today. The Twitter feed, CNN, just killing it. What is there anything going on? Oh, okay, Thanksgiving sales were pretty good. That's good. Black Friday, we're doing great. Okay, just the first to know. The first like thing gets me on the Instagram thing. First like. First like, I wasn't able to tell the news, but I liked it first. So I want you all to know that I liked it. First like, those of you who don't know Instagram, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's like this kind of thing of, of like, you ever tell somebody something and they want you to know that they already know? Raise your hand. You're, hey, did you hear about Yeah, I heard about it. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. And you can tell they don't really know all the details, but they don't want you to know that they don't know. And they're just saying, yeah, sure. Read that book many times. Read it twice. Been to that movie. That's my favorite band. I love their first record. Well, this was their first record. Yeah, that's what I meant. I love that one. It's my favorite record. Oh, how about this one? I'm not supposed to know this. What's that? That's me telling you that I know, and I'm going to let you know. There's something about being the first. We love that thing. And so who does God decide to share this thing with the first time? Shepherds. Look at your neighbors as shepherds. And look at your second choice as a neighbor and say, you need to wake up. I know it's Thanksgiving, but Ragsdale will throw a microphone at you. Come on, wake up. Don't stay with me. We're not going to be long. I'm going quick. And when we talk about shepherds, when I say the word shepherd, we have a mindset of it right now. And that mindset is stable, warm, right? I mean, you see images and pictures of the shepherd leading the flock. How many, when I say shepherd, just feel safe? Feels to me, it feels noble. It feels like, man, that's a shepherd. That's a, a man of integrity and, and taking care. He'd put his own life at risk to take care of the, the sheep. And you have these, these beautiful pictures of, of the shepherd taking care. And, and David was a shepherd. And Jesus talks about being the great shepherd. And you have these great images. But shepherds weren't admired in Bible times. They weren't admired at all. See, we've got it now because we can look back and say, David was a shepherd. And he grew up to be a great king and a warrior. Jesus is the great shepherd. And we have this mindset. But back then, they didn't have that mindset. Matter of fact, in, in Genesis 46, don't turn there. You can, you can check me when you get home. Genesis 46, 34, it says that shepherds were loathsome. They were loathed. Like 
People didn't want to be a shepherd. Matter of fact, read this though. Numbers 14 and 33 says that being a shepherd was considered a punishment. It says your sons, your children will be shepherds here for 40 years, suffering for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lie in the wilderness. The youngest child in the house was a shepherd. So what would happen is Evan would be the shepherd, and then as soon as Davis got age enough, Evan would be like, here you go, son. You own to this now. I'm doing something else. And then Davis, another child comes along. No, Jesus, please not. Not now. Another child comes along, and Davis would hand it over, all right? And finally, the last kid, is just, he got stuck with it. I guess I'm a shepherd for the rest of my life. Why? I'm the last kid. Did you feel called to shepherd? No, I just happened to be the last kid. Mom and dad decided to stop, which made me a shepherd for the rest of my life. People didn't want this. People wanted to be warriors and kings and prophets and judges. and They wanted to be merchants. People did not want to be shepherds. I'm, I'm still going somewhere. They lived outside of society. They weren't connected. They were out alone until the day of market when they would come in. Otherwise, they were out in the hills and they slept outside. All they had was their rod and their staff and their, their cloak. That's, that's what they had. And whatever the weather was, that's where they slept. How many of you like the shepherd thing now? No. Nobody wants to be a shepherd. Shepherds were not able to keep the ceremonial law of the Jews all of the hand washing and the meticulous rules and regulations. And so because of that, the religious people really looked down on them. Am I making sense to anybody right now? They were marginalized. They were the poorest people in society. They were the forgotten. They were the outcasts. They were the people that were shoved way out. Am I speaking to anybody that feels that way? No? Anybody that's ever felt that way, excluded, shoved out, nobody understands you, nobody gets you, you've sinned too much, you've made too many mistakes, you're not worth anything, everybody knows the running record of everything that you've done, you don't have a house to really call your own, you're just out there floating around. And yet, those are the people that God decided to announce the good news to. Could have gone to kings, could have gone to queens, could have gone to rich folks, could have gone to the most popular, but he didn't. He went to the people that everybody had forgotten. The washed out, the washed up, the beat up, and the broken. One of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, it says this, that Jesus, God, makes his home in those that have a contrite spirit. That word contrite means broken, crushed, crushed so much that it's nothing but dust. And while we're trying to please all of those people out there with everything that we know and everything that we can do and trying to make ourselves worthy of God's grace because of all of this and the talent and the strength, God's over in the corner looking for dust. He's looking for broken people and people that are not perfect. 
1 Corinthians 1 says, but God chose the foolish things. God chose the weak things. God chose the lowly things. God chose the despised things. I want to talk to the kids for just a moment. All the kids that are here today, listen to me for just a moment. We make these, we tell you that you're supposed to grow up to be this great thing and this successful thing. And, but I want you to know that what God really wants you to be, He wants you to be what He made you to be. And He wants you to be somebody that has a heart after God, that your heart longs for Jesus. And when I walk back there before service and I see you back there worshiping, back there with the band and you're just getting after it, that makes my heart just beat faster. I hope you grow up to be doctors and lawyers and pastors and preachers and husbands and wives and missionaries and prophets and multimillionaires and actors and songwriters and teachers. I hope you grow up to be all that. But more than anything, I hope you grow up to have a heart for God. Anybody else feel that way? So why does God pick the weak and the foolish and the lowly? And the despised. Everybody say the weak, the foolish, the lowly, the despised. Why? Because I wouldn't pick those people. How many would say with me, I wouldn't pick them? No. You ever, how, many, how many remember Playground? You get picked. You get picked. Get up against the wall. We're going to pick first one. But I'll take him. You don't ever really go for the lowly one. Your heart may reach out to him, but you don't want him on your team. I love the religious people just looking at me right now. Just going, I'll never do. Yeah, you did too. Remember, you probably did it last week, all right? We just don't pick them. If they can't dribble, you don't pick them. You're going to pick, you may for math class, you'll pick them, but not for basketball. You're not going to pick them. But God goes after the ones that don't know how to do it and can't, that's who He goes after. The ones that are unpopular and the ones that are forsaken and forgotten about. That's who God goes after. Lowly, despised, weak. Everybody has pushed you. Man, I'm going after somebody today. I'm going after somebody today. Somebody, and it may be just two people here that feel that way, you know? I have a feeling it's not, though. But why does God go after them? Everybody look at me and say, why, John, does God... <laughs> Why does God go after those people? I'm so glad you asked. Verse 15 of Luke chapter 2. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Everybody say, let's go. And see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I love this. As soon as the angels leave, they didn't get together in a huddle. And vote on it. So number one, grateful people are obedient to God's voice. Remember I said at the beginning, to be truly grateful, you got to be slightly undeserving. You feel slightly undeserving, right? So grateful people are obedient to God's voice. People that are thankful just to be a part. I mean, as soon as the angel's gone, like, let's go. What does GPS say? How do we get to Bethlehem? Us, what would we be doing? What do you think it's really worth it? I don't, did he say it was going to be there or that it might be there? And, th and remember, they've been out in the, sh out in the, in the fields. 
They don't even go into town until market day. And now here they go into town that's not marked where the people that make fun of them. They're going where it's not comfortable for them. They're much more comfortable in caves and in fields. Come on, sometimes God says a word to you and he wants you to say, all right, let's go. Not, I think I'm going to pray about that, fast about it, put a fleece out. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get some confirmation, need a little confirmation for this word that God gave me. You can say what you want to about the apostle Peter, but that brother would just do something. You have to, I'm come walking on water. And then he looks, oh my Lord, I'm walking on water. He cuts the ear off. He's ready to go. God's looking for people that are so grateful to be a part of it that when he says, hey, you want to go somewhere new? And we go, yeah, 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 let's go. No, no, no trying to figure it. Let's just go. Grateful people are obedient to God's voice. That's one reason he picks them. Verse 16, so they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Why does God pick them? First of all, undeserving, grateful people are obedient to God's voice. Number two, undeserving, grateful people tell other people. Look, if y'all are going to yawn, at least try to hide it, okay? I just saw two of you at the same time. It's like, oh. are you tired? I'm tired. Just hide. Look, just hide it just a little bit, okay? The kids are watching you. <laughs> All you that brought guests, I apologize again for that. Undeserving people tell other people. Why does God pick them? Because he's looking for people that will tell other people. Let me ask you a question. Do you frequently tell your God story? Do you tell it? That means you're grateful. That means you're amazed that you get to even be a part. If you're not a person that you can't wait to tell your God story, you need to ask God to make you more grateful for your God story. Kristen picks at me. She'll go, you getting ready to do it, aren't you? You getting ready to go at it? Because she can see me. I'll be in a, in a restaurant. I'm just eyeing them. Just looking at them. Normally, it's me that's ready to go. Kristen hangs out. You know, I'm ready. I'm in the car. <laughs> Let's go. Where are we going? I don't know. I'm just ready to go. But well, I get that eye for those people, and I can see them. And I just, ooh, I've got to get to them. And I get my card ready, get my business card ready. Get the heels card ready. I just show up. Mm -hmm. And I just find a way to get in there. And just I'll just make up something. Just come around the corner and just start telling my God story. Telling my testimony. I'm looking at folks right now that can transform a city if you just tell your testimony. You don't have a microphone. You can't write a song. And if you do write a song, nobody's listening to it. And you feel depressed. You feel, look, you got a testimony. And we are made overcomers by the word of our testimony. Get it figured out. You need, here's what I always say. You need to have, you need to have a, a supper testimony. Testimony that you can tell over supper. Then you need to have, you need to have like a, a coffee testimony. Let's just be like a cop. Then you need to have a drive-through testimony. Just like if it just so happened you're rolling through Chick-fil-A and she goes, how have you been today? Well, the Lord has been, and you're done. Before they give you your waffle fries, you got it figured out. 
I want to be an overcomer. Do you, do you know how to tell your testimony? And as our friend Sam Chappell says, anything you overcome, anything you overcome becomes your platform. So if you overcome something, that's your platform. I don't really have a story. Yes, you have a story. Well, I, I didn't do all that stuff out there. I didn't drink and cuss and, and do drugs and chase wild women. I didn't do that. Did you survive a religious atmosphere? Uh-huh. You got a testimony. <laughs> testimony. And grateful people look for reasons. Look around you right now. Who is here because of you? Who's in this place because of you? Who is living for God because of you? Well, that'll shock you right there, isn't it? As we gear up for the new year and people are looking for a place to go, they're looking for a safe place, come on, start telling people about your story. Start telling people about where you go to church, that you found a safe haven. Grateful people look for other people to tell. Verse 20, I'm almost done. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which are just as they had been told. Undeserving Grateful people make the best worshipers. So why does God look for the undeserving? Why does God look for the people that are lowly and beaten down and messed up? Because those are the people that are obedient to his voice. Those are the people that love to tell other people about it. And those are the people that make the best worshipers. amazing to me that we have to encourage people to worship. We shouldn't have to encourage that. If we have to continually say, come on, uncross your arms, quit looking, let's go. That means if we got this grateful thing in us, man, we're just crazy about it. Let's go for it. I, I, I quoted last week, I talked about the scripture that says the little Samaritan lady came to Jesus and she said, I want you to take care of my daughter's issue. And he says to her, I'm not sent to you, sweetheart. He didn't call her sweetheart, actually. He said, I'm not sent to you. And he goes on, he, and we may talk about this a little bit more next week, but he essentially calls her a dog. And I'm not going to do it. And the scripture says that she worshipped him. And that word worship, when you look at it, the original text, it means as a dog licking his master's hand. I remember... Uh, I had a rescue dog named Miss Lily. She was a boxer bulldog. Don't tell Hank or Hendricks, but she's my favorite. Still is. Miss Lily. When they found Miss Lily, the birds were actually eating her alive. Rescued her. I went all the way down to Texas to meet her and ended up bringing her back home. You know what Miss Lily would do? She just licked all the time. Just licked. Just always, just every chance you got, she walk up, just licking. And I remember the first time I met her, I asked the owner, I said, why is she doing that? And he said, you know what? I think that she remembers that we saved her and she just can't thank me enough. When I read that scripture that says she fell down and worshiped him, it means kiss as a dog licking his master's hand. That's what she was doing. You're going to call me a dog? I'll show you what a dog does. 
What if we could get that kind of mindset that we're just so grateful that we're happy for the crumbs? We don't have to have the loaf of bread. We don't have to be seated at the table. We can be out there somewhere, but the music starts with, yeah. Forget church. On the way to church, you just, I can't believe I get to drive a car in a free country. Lay down beside that one that you love. And even if you fuss that day, come on. Or you got babies, you got kids, you got food in your mouth. Come on. Grateful people change the world. Grateful people change the world. And see, God looks for those people. You don't have to be perfect. As a matter of fact, if you're perfect, he probably doesn't want you right now. If you got it all figured out, that means you got it all figured out. Why would you need God in that situation? But for those that just feel slightly undeserving. Now, you around here, if you stay around long enough, we're going to talk about what God says you deserve. We're going to tell you enough. God calls you to be royalty. God calls you to be king. God calls you to be a judge. God calls you to be a priest. We're going to talk about that. You're right. You're a new person in Christ, right? We're going to talk about that. But we also got to get a little bit of that humility that goes, you know what? He says I deserve it, but I know that I really don't. And so I am always have a heart for God and the things of God. Watch this. I love this. I want to reread 1 Corinthians 1.27 in the message. Look at this. Isn't it obvious that God deliberately chose men and women that the culture overlooks and exploits and abuses? He chose these nobodies to expose the hollow pretensions of the somebodies that make it quite clear that none of you can get by with blowing your own horn before God. Everything that we have, right thinking and right living, a clean slate and a fresh start comes from God by way of Jesus Christ. That is why we have the saying, if you're going to blow a horn, blow a trumpet for God. There's nothing good in me until he gets in me. And then I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nothing can stop me. Nothing can stop what God has called us to be and God has called us to do. But you don't even get to enter in until you have a grateful heart. Let me pray over you right now. Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for these amazing people. I think of these precious Hills kids that have been so attentive, set by their parents, listened. And some of them even amen, nodded their head and clapped. I love this. I thank you for that right now. I'm praying, God, for those that are in this room right now that feel lost. While everybody's walking around saying they got something to be thankful for, they begin to when, the, when we say count the blessings, they start counting them, and there's just a few. They don't feel like they've been successful. They feel like they've been left out. They feel like they've squandered so many chances. But today, God, on this day, 
you decided to set a day aside to go after them, to go after the hurting and the lonely, those that have messed up and messed up and messed up and messed up and do good for a little while and mess up again and forsake people and reject people and forget people, those that are like me. But you reach for us because you want people that will do what you tell them to do. And you want people that will just tell other people people that when it's time to worship they are ready to worship I pray for them today come on Jesus let the Holy Spirit begin to do the work reach where no psychiatrist could reach reach where no lover could reach reach where no drug or alcohol could reach reach Holy Spirit reach go in deep past the brokenness and past the barbed wire Go in there, Jesus. Pull them to you. Pull them to you, Jesus. We're about to enter a new era of worship in this city. I'm going to say that again. We're about to enter a new era of worship in this city. We're about to enter a new era of worship at our church at the hills. New songs are going to be written. A new sound is going to come. It's going to happen right here in this place. It's going to reverberate around off the hills of this city. It's going to reverberate around the nation. It's going to happen. And so, God, that's why you're going after true worshipers, grateful people, people with a heart for you. Now, I want you in your own words just to say, Lord, I want you to help me be ready. I want to be one of those people you reveal yourself to. I want to be one of those folks that you show up and angels show up. The heavens open up. 